Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's Sermon on the Mount teaching in Matthew 5, 17-30, called The Law of the King. Matthew chapter 5, the law of the king, Jesus speaking, says these words. Now, I gave you the the thesis statement in verse 20. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we, when we began this uh, series in Matthew or the verse-by-verse teaching, we gave it the title, the gospel of the kingdom. And we talked about how the kingdom of God is one of the primary things we need to understand in our Bibles. Jesus is the king. We are his subjects. We have entered into the kingdom of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are citizens of that kingdom. We are under the rule of that king. And up on a hill or a mountain, Jesus begins to teach the law of the king. And the king does have laws. And we are to submit to those laws. What are those laws? Well, Jesus will begin to illuminate the truth of the scriptures and he will answer a question that I think has been probably being uh, chirped at among the scribes and Pharisees. Remember that when Jesus preaches this sermon, about a year has gone by of his earthly ministry. The synoptic gospels don't record, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't record that year, but John does. Jesus has gone into the temple and cleansed it, John chapter 2. He's had the interaction with Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel. He's had the interaction with the woman at the well. There's a lot that's gone on in terms of Jesus' ministry. The scribes and the Pharisees are following him around to see what he preaches, see what he says. They're an investigative party, if you will, measuring his words. And something like this was probably going on. They were probably saying... This uh, rabbi, this teacher, this would-be Messiah, as they would see it, maybe he doesn't hold up the law of Moses. Maybe he diminishes the law. Maybe he is teaching a different ethic. I mean, we just heard him teach about these beatitudes and how do they link with the law of Moses, the great lawgiver. And Jesus says these words, verse 17, do not think that I came to abolish New King James, destroy the law or the prophets. I want you to notice it's not just the law, it's the prophets. It would include Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea and Micah. I did not come to abolish, but to what? To fulfill. Now the word abolish here is a Greek word which means to overthrow, to deem as no longer valid, to repeal or to annul. Jesus says, that is not what I came to do. I have not come to abolish the law, to repeal its force, to lessen its gravity, to take anything away from it. In fact, Jesus is going to add a layer to the divine law that is going to shock his listening audience. Because the Righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was simply an outward righteousness where they were trying to impress people. They wanted to look religious. They wanted to 
make sure that people were convinced that they were keepers of the Torah. But they were not. Their righteousness did not go into their heart. And that is Jesus' thesis statement. But he wants to make sure that they understand and we understand. He has not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill. Now, in the uh, narrative of the Gospel of Matthew, in the birth accounts, we've seen a number of times this happened that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Where Jesus was born, according to Micah. That he would be called Emmanuel, according to Isaiah. We have many, many scriptures where this occurred that it might be fulfilled. John the Baptist has Jesus come to him for baptism. John says, you need to, be, you need to baptize me, not me, you. Let this be so that we might fulfill all righteousness. Jesus came not to abolish but to fulfill. So much for the people who say, well, if Jesus uh, didn't touch on a topic, let's say a moral issue of our day, well, then it must be okay. Wrong. Jesus was pro-Old Testament. Jesus did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. The word in Greek to fulfill is plerao. It's the uh, normal word that's used for the filling up of a net with fish or the filling up of a vessel with water or food and the like. That's the idea. Jesus came to fulfill it, to fill it up. He is the consummation of the law and the prophets. Take a look just ahead of us to Matthew 11. Look at Matthew 11. Jesus is talking about John the Baptist Matthew 11, verse 12. And he says these words, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now here's what was happening. The law and the prophets were all coming forth in books of our Bible, the 39 books of the Old Testament, and then John came. John was the voice crying in the wilderness, and then he turned people to the Lamb of God. Look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You could say it this way. Look, there's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. There he is, Messiah, servant of the Lord. Go back to Matthew 7, look at verse 12 just for a second. What do the law and the prophets represent? Matthew 7, verse 12 puts it this way. In everything, therefore, 7, 12, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. What's your Bible say? For this is the law and the prophets. When Jesus was asked later in Matthew, turn back to chapter 5, What's the great commandment of the law? He says, it's to love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang the entire law and the prophets. When the two uh, uh, disciples were on the road to Emmaus, Jesus opened the scriptures to them and he showed them how he was... Uh, in the law and the prophets and the Psalms, you can write down Luke 24, 44, and 45. Jesus did not come to abolish. Don't think that. He came to fulfill the law 
and the prophets. They all pointed to him. Later in the book of Matthew, we'll say this. Jesus will say, how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen in this way? In Luke 24, 44 and 45, just so you can hear it. He said to them, these are my words which I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Luke 24, 44. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. In Hebrews 10, 7, the writer says, Behold, I have come of the Messiah. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And he says these words, Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus says, this is how authoritative the law is. Until heaven and earth passes away, you could say the law isn't going anywhere. Our modern vernacular might be till hell freezes over. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away later in the book of Matthew, but my words will never pass away. There's been a prominent teacher in the evangelical world who was quoted as saying, we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. His last name happens to be Stanley. That is a lie. Because Jesus Christ, the only Bible that was there when Jesus is preaching was the Old Testament. We cannot understand the New Testament unless we understand the Old Testament. Amen? Jesus is revealed in the Old Testament, or you could say in one sense concealed, but then revealed in the New. Jesus says, look, until heaven and earth pass away, notice how precise this is. Not the smallest letter. You can imagine like a little stroke on a Hebrew letter or a Greek letter. Or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Scholars have pointed out that Jesus is making a case here, an emphatic case, for the verbal inspiration of the Bible. The Bible is the inerrant word of God down to the smallest stroke of the letter. If you mess with the word of God, even in the smallest of details, you are messing with God's holy word. That's what Jesus believed about the Bible. That's what Jesus said about the word of God. Don't mess with it. Now, sometimes we, maybe you jump on YouTube and you see somebody uh, on the street and they say, well, there's a, there's a difference between a number in Chronicles and a number in Kings or uh, Samuel. What do we make of that? Well, remember the Bible was copied by individuals over the centuries. We didn't have Xerox machines way back in the day. That didn't come along until the Gutenberg press, right? So back in the day, the Lord entrusted a group of people with the preservation of the Bible. And they were the Jewish people and they were extremely meticulous about copying scripture. There's so many little details that they would follow, washing their clothes when they wrote the name of God, counting words from you know, backwards and forwards, etc. And just so you can be at ease, even though there have been some scribal mistakes that we've discovered, we discovered them by comparing manuscripts because we have 
thousands of manuscripts of the Bible. And here's something just so you have this in your pocket. You've been listening to the Walk in Truth program. Hey, listen, family, Pastor Michael here. Hey, I wanted to just take a moment to celebrate something that the Lord has done, and he's done it through you. Those of you who pray, those of you who give, we are now adding a radio station in San Diego. It is 106.1 FM and 1210 AM K Praise, and we are now adding a morning drive time at 5 AM. 5 a.m. Monday through Friday, and we're going to be on Sunday mornings at 6.30 a.m. And we are so grateful for all of you who have been praying, those of you who have become have become Walk in Truth partners. We've walked through a new door, and we want to walk through more. So if you want to learn more about how to partner with us, it's walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But we just wanted to say a big thank you and give glory to God for this new radio station. I pray the Lord does wonderful things through it in His name. Amen and amen. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth financial partners. And be sure to check out our Walk in Truth app, available in your app store. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. There have been some scribal mistakes that we've discovered. We discovered them by comparing manuscripts because we have thousands of manuscripts of the Bible. And here's something just so you have this in your pocket. In the late 1940s, a discovery was made called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Most of you have heard about that. And those scrolls held much of the Old Testament in them. And they were a thousand years earlier than the ones that we possessed before that discovery. So what would you want to do if you had a thousand year gap from the earliest manuscripts we possessed at the time and now you made a new discovery a thousand years earlier. What are, you, what are you going to do? You're going to compare them to see if there's accuracy. Well, they did this with the book of Isaiah. They found that in the thousand year window of all these copies being made, it was 95% accurate from the thousand year uh, different manuscripts. And the only difference was in the 5% was in sentence structure and spelling of certain words. Nothing of the uh, core doctrines was ever touched. The Bible has been preserved through time. Now here's my point. There are some in our culture that are called deconstructionists. Some who are called liberal uh, theologians or progressive Christians. And here's what they're saying. They're saying the Old Testament law about this or that, uh, sexuality, marriage, morals, Don't worry about that stuff because if Jesus didn't bring it up, then it doesn't matter. If he didn't address it, it's okay. Let me just say to you that what we just read is Jesus saying he believes the whole Old Testament down to the little stroke on a letter is authoritative and not to be messed with. Until heaven and earth pass away, these words will not pass away. Now I want you to see what he says about this particular topic. And before we go there, just a, a few scriptures to kind of maybe fill this back in. Psalm 119, 89 says, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. John 10, 35 says, the scripture cannot be broken. Those are Jesus's words. The law and the prophets, not even a jot or a tittle. Uh, just to give you a little bit on that. 
the law and the prophets stand in com- uh, as completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus said even in Luke 4, reading Isaiah 61, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The smallest letter translates iota, the smallest letter of the Greek alphabet. To Ju- Jesus' Jewish hearers, it would represent the yod, the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which looks something like an apostrophe. A stroke literally means a little horn, refers to the smallest marks that help distinguish one Hebrew letter from another. It was a small extension off of a letter similar to a serif in modern typefaces. Jesus is saying to the very smallest stroke on a letter, the law is authoritative and not to be messed with. Now look at verse 19. Whoever then annuls, if you have the NIV, it says anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments, not the big ones, even the least. There's 613 commandments and subcommandments that are articulated in Scripture. Whoever, I don't care if it's Rabbi so-and-so who oversees the school of so-and-so, whoever annuls one of the least of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You you know how you can guarantee a demotion in the kingdom of God? Teach people that not all of the word of God applies to their lives. Instantaneous demotion in the kingdom of God. Someone might say, I don't care as long as I'm sweeping floors in the kingdom of God. I'm cool, baby. Yeah, but you could have a mansion and a yacht. (laughs) Somebody's like, I don't know how to respond to that. Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. Okay, we're not going to push that too far. That's almost a little bit of humor there. But here's my point. If someone is a liberal theologian, someone says we can relax the standards of marriage and sexuality because Jesus never brought it up. They don't know what they're talking about. Jesus endorses the whole Old Testament as authoritative until heaven and earth pass away. That word will not pass away. Now let me just say this. I think for all of us, we were resonating with this, but let me just say this to anyone who watches this. If you do that, you are guaranteeing yourself a demotion in the kingdom of God. Now you want to know how you get a promotion in the kingdom of God? Teach the Bible. Amen? Teach the word of God as living, authoritative, and powerful. And you'll be called great in the kingdom of God. This is all over our Bibles. Paul uh, in Galatians 1 says, don't preach another gospel. Don't believe someone who preaches another gospel. And you say, well, what is going on here? What is Jesus after? Well, he's after the scribes and the Pharisees. And I gave you the thesis verse. Read it again now in light of what Jesus just said. For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. This might be as radical as saying to a Catholic person, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pope, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The hearers of this would be shocked 
Because when they looked at the scribes and Pharisees, you know what they thought of them? These are the guys that keep the law. These are the ones who, down to the minutest details, dress the right way, eat the right way, fast, tithe, do all the things that you're supposed to do, right? But they did it only to impress men. They did not do it because they had the love of God in their heart. And the six things that Jesus will bring up, he'll bring up murder, adultery, uh, the taking of oaths, and a few other things, the, the love of God and love of enemies, are a direct assault on what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing to play games with the law of God. I'll give you an example. They would take an oath, and I'll contemporize this. Let's just say that someone's in the court of law, and it's something like this. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. And someone repeats that hand on the Bible and says, yes, I swear. But then they lie on the witness stand. And then they get confronted and they say, how could you do that? You made an oath. Oh, but I didn't make it on a King James Bible. It was an NIV. And you all know that the NIV is the nearly inspired version, right? And it wasn't genuine leather. Now, that's a contemporary example of what they were doing. You've been listening to The Law of the King, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's Sermon on the Mount teaching in Matthew 5, verses 17 through 30. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, as we consider the law of the king and we look at the incredible Sermon on the Mount and we see that Jesus said he did not come to abolish but to fulfill the law, we've got to remember that Jesus Christ is the righteous fulfillment of the law. He's the one who lived the perfect life. And yet he does have standards for us. And if we were to capture the essence of the law, I think we all know it means to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, those two things are going to take the power of the Holy Spirit, the help of our amazing Christ, and he is able, willing, and ready to help. All we have to do is call upon him and lean into heaven's resources to be who we're called to be. Maybe you would say, well, sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm just kind of doing things to do them, maybe even to get noticed. Am I wrong? Well, the motivation, the essence of the law, and remember the law is good, the law is holy and spiritual. The law is not the problem. We are, right? So what do we do? Well, we can fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. This is Romans 8, 4, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our motivation should be to love God and love others. Now, sometimes if we, if we feel like we're doing it with the wrong motive, we should go back and at least do some soul searching, and this would 
be what would generate a question like this, right? And that the question is even a healthy question. Am I doing it just because I want to get noticed or because I want to fulfill the essence of the law to love God with everything I am and love my neighbor as myself? Remember, this is possible to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. We won't do it perfectly because we're human and, and we'll struggle sometimes with giving into the flesh. But the point is this, that the essence of the law can be fulfilled as the Christian depends on the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ has already done it perfectly for us. Don't get me wrong. But now we can uh, follow him and do the essence of it as we walk with him. So I hope that helps with that question. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. I wanted to just take a moment to celebrate something that the Lord has done, and he's done it through you. Those of you who pray, those of you who give, we are now adding a radio station in San Diego. It is 106.1 FM and 1210 AM K and we are now adding a morning drive time at 5 AM, 5 a.m. Monday through Friday, and we're going to be on Sunday mornings at 6.30 a.m. And we are so grateful for all of you who have been praying, those of you who have become have become Walk in Truth partners. We've walked through a new door, and we want to walk through more. So if you want to learn more about how to partner with us, it's walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But we just wanted to say a big thank you and give glory to God for this new radio station. I pray the Lord does wonderful things through it in his name. Amen and amen. Hey, if you want to know more about the ministry, remember, it's always found at walkintruth.com. See you tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 5, 17 through 30, called The Law of the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.